Amen? Hey, let's pray. Let's pray. Let's pray. Lord God in heaven, Lord, we worship you. We love you. Oh, we're just reminded of that when we exalt your name, Lord, that you are a full and loving God. You have an abundance. You have everything that we could ever want, ever, everything we could ever need. And Lord, this morning as we approach you, we open your word, and God, we want to know more about you. We want to we wanna eat you up. There is so much more that we can consume about you, that we can understand about you, that we can feel about you, that we can express about you. And God, we need more. And God, this morning, we had come here, and all of us with different issues, different joys, different hurts, whatever those things are, God, we can come to you because you have more for us. God, we want more of your grace this morning of your, your joy this morning, more compassion this morning. But most of all, God, we want you to reveal yourself to us. Help us to have better understanding. Help us to know your word. And God, help us not to be distracted. Oh God, we wanna hear you. And so we look forward to what we're about to experience. And I just ask that you would open our hearts. Lord, speak to us now. We invite you in Jesus' name. And the whole church says, Amen. Please be seated. Wonderful worship, worship team. That was fun. That was fun. Amen. All right, I'm the only one that likes it. Okay, that's all right. You know, we're sitting here and we're, we're a church. We're brothers and sisters in Christ. You know, if you're just visiting with us and you love Jesus, you're part of us too. And it's been a good thing to know, you know, that our God loves us no matter where we are, where we visit, and know that the, the body of Christ is a lot of places and it's alive. You know, but a lot of people have different views of how church should be, what we should be about as believers. You know, a lot of people might just say, you know, we got to be out in that community. We got to be doing some good things. We got to do the good works. We're going to save and work on the homeless, and we're going to do these things. And we, that's how we should spend our resources. And that, that's noble pursuit. But is that what we're really supposed to be about? You know, and then other people, you ask them going, well, no, we come to church, and then what we want to do is we want to experience more Jesus. And so what we want to do, we, want, we don't want to be like the rest of those normal Christians at those other churches. We want to go to the next level, right? We got we to gotta go get for that new experience with God, which, which is exciting. But, you, you know, we, we think it's more and more and more, and we go looking for that next new thing. And so we think about those things. But here at New Life, we... If you look on the back of your little handout that we, we gave you this morning, and if you look at that and you look at the back, you know, what we're about is very simple. It's just to know Jesus, to become like Jesus, and to do what Jesus did. See, our focus there, what we're about here at New Life is really what this message is about. It's about more Jesus. And you can see that those words and more Jesus, and, and we kind of go, well, that sounds pretty elementary, Tom, but yeah, if we went after it, if we went after to experience more, to know Jesus more, to have him permeate our lives, to eat him up and get him everything you can do, what would it be like? You see, we've been given an inheritance, and, and we talked about it last week or the week before, and I want to share it a little bit more. But in Ephesians chapter 1, and we see it in verse 11, it says this, Also we have obtained an inheritance, having been predestined according to his purpose, who works all things, after the counsel of his will. You see, what it is, is Jesus gave you it all. And what we have, we have everything we need. Why? To do his purpose, to know his purpose, to be about his will. 
He predestined you, we talked about that, from the dawn of time so that you could experience it all. You could experience it all. That's what we're about. See, Paul writes this letter, and he's pretty excited because he's, he's hearing about the church. And, and here we have this church, and it's, and, and it's an amazing thing that's going on, and, and Paul's just expressing in this, in this giant prayer that we're going to unpack today in this prayer about what is going on, and he's thrilled. He's thrilled for the body of Christ. Look, look what he says here in verse 15. He says this, For this reason I too, having heard of the faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, which exists among you, and your love for all the saints, do not cease giving thanks to you while making mention of you in my prayers. You see what he's saying there? He's saying, I, I've heard about what you're about. And I'm excited and I'm so thankful he's praying for this church. What are they about? They're about loving each other. I mean, that's pretty phenomenal, right? See, the church was, was getting known for this compassion, this love. They had a love for Jesus because that's where it starts. And then it what? It oozed out. And now we see in the love for all the saints. See, that was an outpouring of more Jesus. This is what did Jesus call the saints to be? And we see this in John 13, verse 34 and 35. It says, a new commandment I give you, that you love one another, just as I have loved you, that you also love one another. By this, all men will know that you're my disciples, if you love one another. You see, you see what's happening there in the church is the church was making this difference. It was loving people. Laura and I went to a friend's house this last week, and, and they've been at New Life for a long time, and so we were over there in the evening just talking with them, and, and I said, hey, what, what, what are some things you're seeing happening at New Life? And, and they turned, and they said, well, the people are a lot nicer. That's a compliment. I mean, think about that. That is a wonderful compliment. New life is a lot nicer. We're, we're loving each other. That's a great place to be, which tells me you were pretty lousy people before, but the reality, you know, the I know, just kidding. But the thing is, is we see the, the wonder. What a great thing to be known for as a church, to be loving, to be nice. There's not enough nice people out there. And here we are, and Paul is expressing his joy and thanksgiving. I express that because way to go, new life. If we're known for anything, I would love it to be known for a loving church. Because that's what we're about. That's what the body of Christ is for. And it's funny because a lot of people, they, they come up with these ideas, and I've seen it over time and time again, how they said, you know what we need to be like as a church? We gotta be more like the culture so, so people will feel a little bit more relaxed coming to us. You know, we gotta be more embracing, more seeker-sensitive or seeker. We gotta be catering to the lost. No. So, so often we think, oh yeah, we gotta be more appealing. See, that's where we miss it. I mean, we gotta understand something very clear because uh, we don't wanna emulate what the world is doing. You go, really, what does that mean? We don't wanna reflect the world on itself. You see, church, we gotta understand something about our culture and our world. Understand this, that our culture is under divine judgment. Wow. I mean, that sounds pretty harsh, but it is. 
You see, what happened to our culture? What happened to our land? You see, this land, whether you like it or not, it was actually founded on Judeo-Christian ethics with Christian men. And they, they set the foundation like that. I remember when I was in school, we still had the Ten Commandments up on the wall. You know why they put it there? Because it gets so boring, you got nothing else to read. And you're reading that, and you learn, and it gets into, ingrained in you. You know? And the thing is, is we've taken that out of the schools, and we go, well, that's okay. We've taken other things out of the schools. We've taken things out of our, our culture. You remember, look at your dollar bill. It still says, in God we trust, which I bet you they want off now. And they're fighting against God. See, a nation, a nation that has God as its foundation and then turns its back on them, you're under severe judgment. See, God gives you over to your wickedness. You can read about it in, in Romans chapter 1. And in Romans, in, cha in Romans chapter 1, you can see, in, starting in verse 18, is a progression. First, the nation turns its back on God. You know another nation that did that? That would be like Israel. I mean, I used to read the Old Testament, and I go, boy, these people are stupid. They just never get it. You know, do you ever read that, and you go, why do you keep abandoning God? He's done so much for you. It's just like this. They leave Egypt. God does a miracle, opens the Red Sea. They go across. They watch, you know, Pharaoh and his army drowned, and they're over there, and they're like, yay, we're saved. And, and what do they do? They start whining. And then what do they do? Moses goes up Mount Sinai to get the Ten Commandments from the Lord. They get freaked. They get scared. They, they build, what, a golden image. I mean, right after, right after God's hand of intervention. And they dance around it. And we see divine judgment come in. What happens to them? They got to wander because they didn't trust in their God. You see, church, what happened to our land is what happens is God gave us over to our wickedness. And so we see the progression. You can read it there in Romans. It goes first, it goes a sexual revolution, then a homosexual revolution. Then it ends up in the depraved minds. That's where we're at today. The depravity of mind, mind where it goes, hey, what's wrong is right and right is wrong. Righteousness is mocked and, and sin is elevated. You know, your kid, you know, she's five and she wants to be a boy. Great, let's go have an operation. That's insanity. Yet it's being embraced. Why? The depravity of mind. We're under judgment. So why would we want to emulate a culture that is so lost? See, the culture doesn't need any more pandering. What we need to do, church, is we got to do something that is amazing. We have to stand we need to respond the right way. And understand this, we are to be holding to the word of truth and not catering to the world as a church and as individuals. That's, that's the reality. Because you forget and you must remind yourself the state that we are in as a land and as Christians. And if you are pandering to it, you're missing out and you are somebody that is just giving in. See, I'll tell you this, Weak churches don't survive. Weak churches lose people. But if you are strong, that is the church that will make the difference and change the culture. That's what we need to be about. Think of the story in Acts. And in Acts chapter 19, you can look it up, but what happened in this story is this, is, is Paul on his third missionary journey goes to Ephesus. Ephesus. 
And he starts preaching in Ephesus and teaching people in Ephesus. But Ephesus was a unique place. It was a place of idolatry. It was a place of homosexuality, worship of false gods. It was a wealthy place. It was a place that, that people came and it was the gateway into Asia Minor. And so it was the crossroads. Everybody loved this place. And there was the Temple of Diana or Artemis. It was one of the seventh wonders of the ancient world. It was about a football field and a half long, about six stories high. It was an impressive place. And there they worshiped Diana. She was the goddess of fertility, so prostitution was right on with that. And, and it was embraced, and all this filth was embraced, and, and all these people, this is how people made their money, was off of sin. And then Paul goes, and there was a silversmith, and how he made his, his livelihood was making idols of Diana and Artemis there. And, and they worshiped them. And, 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 but something started happening because of the Christians there. You see, Demetrius gets a little mad. And I want to read to you how mad he gets. We see this, and this is what he says in verse 26 of 19. He says, This Paul has persuaded and turned away a considerable number of people, saying that gods made of hands are no gods at all. So he's mad. And so he rallies the troops. He gets other tradesmen. He gets other people that make their livelihood off of the sin culture and say, hey, come on over here. Look at this. And then look what they said in verse 28. It says this, and then they heard this. They were filled with rage and began crying out and saying, great is Artemis of the Ephesians. You see, these people were mad. And so the whole city, which is, is, is the center of the region, Gets, gets caught up in this frenzy and they drag Paul and his associates into the largest amphitheater of known time at that time. Sat 25,000 people and there is a riot. They were figuring out what to do. Then Paul and his associates sat quiet and the town clerk comes in and calms the, 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 the crowd down he says, guys, these aren't robbers. We know that our God, the image of her, fell from heaven. <laughs> Don't worry about these guys and their small little views. See, they were tolerant. And they said, Don't worry about it. That's just foolish talk. And they let Paul and his associates go. But what happened to, to Ephesus? 350 or so years later, the Nicene Creed was written there because it was a center for Christian belief. Not long after Paul and that time, the Temple of Diana was burned and never rebuilt. You see, though they mock us, the culture can change. Church, we need to understand something very clear. A life centered on Jesus will impact the culture. It will impact your life. And then through that, you will impact others. You think, oh, you can't do anything? Look at here. You know, here we are, new life. What is two people? Yeah, but what is 400 people? What can we do? 
See, this is what we need to be about. We need to be about more Jesus. So how do we get there? Here it is. Seek better knowledge of Christ. See, church, this is what we need to be about. We need to be about seeking Jesus and him. You see, so often we go seeking a new revelation of the Holy Spirit. We go, oh, give me this, give me this. Did you know the Holy Spirit's job all through Scripture is to exalt Jesus? Not to give you another filling. It is to give you understanding of Christ. And so that you can exhibit him. Let me show you in Ephesians chapter 1, verse 17. It says this, And the God, this is his prayer, And the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you, what? A spirit of what? Wisdom and of revelation in the knowledge of him, Jesus See, that's the whole purpose. The whole purpose is that we would have this spirit so what we get, wisdom, revelation. Those are two synonyms. You see, wisdom is basically the understanding. It is, it is the supreme intelligence of God. And then the revelation are the things known unto God, only unto God. And so when we read this word, when we read and understand more of Jesus, the spirit gives us this. That's what it's about. That is what we are to be about. Now, the culture, they say this. They say, you know, the number one thing is you got to know yourself. That's like their motto. Know self. You go to a psychiatrist, you go to a counselor, hey, let's talk about you. You got to know yourself. You know, because that's where it starts. No, the Christians sometimes buy into that. And so when they start seeking themselves, they get more self-absorbed. And they aren't impacting. They aren't being impacted because, you know, yourself is pretty, you know, not as strong as Jesus. What are you going to get? But if we as Christians are about knowing Jesus, think of what you have. You see, knowing Jesus is, is far deeper than the intellectual thought or the factual thought. Because a lot of people will say, yes, yes, you know, on that last day, Matthew 7 says, Lord, Lord, we prophesied in your name. We've done all these great things. And Jesus is going to say, hey, get away from me. I never knew you. Why? Because they didn't know Jesus. They didn't know who he was. Look what it says in John 17. It says, this is eternal life, that they may know you, the only true God and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. No. See, where it is, no is intimate. See, in this context, it talks actually a sexual intimacy where you are actually involved deeply with the person, intimately with that. That is what it means to know God. Now, you're not gonna know God by just, just reading and going, oh, yeah, whatever. I read, you know, he fed the 5,000, woo. It's, oh, it's deep. And there's, there's a byproduct. Look at this, and it says here in 1 Corinthians, it says, but if anyone loves God, he is known by God. How do we love God? Well, we see when we start to get to know somebody that permeates your life, there's this love that builds. This is what it is. It's, a, it's an in-depth, wonderful thing. Now, how do we do that? See, our primary goal, our primary blessing, our primary Reason is wisdom. We need wisdom as we are obedient. Did you know that obedience and wisdom kind of go hand in hand? Because if you're smart, you obey. Think about that. You know, how many kids when we were little, you know, I didn't obey. Oh, I, I, I wasn't very smart. 
That's the reality. You, you want that wisdom. It comes and follows with obedience. And God grants us that. But our, pro- our problem, church, is that we lack insight on how to get that wisdom, how to understand that wisdom. And that's why we have the Spirit of God to reveal it to us. I, I wrote it like this. Only the Holy Spirit can grant understanding on the things of God. See, he grants it so you can open this word of God and if you don't have the Holy Spirit within you, you aren't gonna get it. If you're blowing off God and you've got filth in your life and you're living a life that, yeah, you know what, I don't care. You know what, you aren't gonna feel and you aren't going to know and you're not going to have an illuminated mind. You are not gonna experience what God wants you to experience here. That's why it says in verse 17, it says this, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give, you, give to you a spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of Christ. That's where we get it. We get it from him. See, our problem is a lot of times we, we kind of go, well, I gotta get more knowledge. I gotta get that another feeling. I got I to gotta get that experience, so I better go and, and get that so, you know, I, I feel it. And we, we kind of look for different things. We go to different churches. We go, we go to maybe different pastors that might preach a different doctrine, and we, oh, I like what they're saying. But, you know, and we go searching for that, and what do we find? Oh, we found it, but it didn't, it didn't do enough for me, so I got to go look some more and do another thing. Where the reality is you already possess it. You've already been given the inheritance. It's all there. It's given to you at your new birth. So you've been given your full inheritance. And so we see what Jesus says here in Luke. It says, if you then, bring evil, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? Church, you, are you lacking? Are you lacking in strength? You already have it. I can do all things through Christ which strengthens me. What, Philippians 4, 13. You already possess it. Well, our thing is we just gotta ask for it. We don't have to go searching for it. God gives it freely to you. You need more love? Well, you know what? In Romans 5, 5, God has poured out his love in our lives. He, he already gave it to us. It's there. The Christian's just not tapping into his inheritance. We just ask, going, God, now you gotta confess. You gotta get out of your sin nature and start getting more Jesus-focused. Oh, yeah. You want more grace? My grace is sufficient for you, 2 Corinthians 12, 9. You already have it. You want, you want more peace? Well, the peace of Christ that surpasses all comprehension, it's in you. Philippians 4, verse 8, 7, excuse me. We have it all. You want more compassion, ask. You don't have to go searching for it. It's yours for the taking. But the key, church, the key is we gotta get into God's word. We gotta let it start permeating our lives, knowing Christ, knowing who he is. And the spirit helps us in that. See, church, pray for the spirit to give you wisdom and revelation as you read his word. That's what we need to do. See, we want more Jesus. The Spirit's guiding us and pointing us to him, and we have it all. You want more, you've got it. You just gotta start tapping into it. 
You start, start going more towards it. So often we, we don't, and we miss out. So we need to know God more. We need to know what we have at our fingertips. Next one we need to understand is this. We need to seek a better knowledge of God's plan. Do you know, we don't have a really good knowledge of God's plan. I mean, why? Because we're so focused on the here and now. Think of that. Think of your plan. You're got, I got all these problems right here now. I don't have time to think different. I got issues. Do you know, I, I, I was thinking back in the day, you know, I had an issue once in 1993. Think about that. I don't remember what it was, but I guarantee I had an issue back then because I got a lot of issues in my life. And it passed. It passed. And we have to understand that we are not beings for just the temporal. See, if God predestined you from the dawn of time to be his for eternity, that means your eternity has already changed. And if you start getting a grasp on God's plan, it will change your focus. It will change who you are and the hope that you possess. Now, young people, listen to this. If you grasp this, if you grasp this as somebody that's just starting out in life, that your life is not in the temporal, it's an eternal thing, and you start thinking long-term, you're gonna have a successful, amazing life. How do I know that? Because God honors that. He'd much rather have that obedience. And he's gonna honor that. And the thing is, is you, you, want, you want a successful marriage? If you are thinking long-term as having God and more Jesus in your plan, he's gonna honor that. You seek a man or a woman that way, he's gonna honor that. Your life is gonna be a lot simpler. You, you, you want something, you know, hey, I wanna work hard for God. You know what, you do it all for God, you're gonna be successful, whether you're a, a stockbroker or you're a ditch digger. You're gonna be success. See, we're, we're promised this. Look at God's plan. Look at verse 18. It says, I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened so that you will know what is the hope of his calling and what are the riches of his glory, his inheritance in all in the saints. What is he saying? He's saying, basically, you want to know your inheritance that you already have, what you have, that riches where you can start cashing out today? You want to know what your, your destiny is as you look to God in that glory? He's, he wants you to know it. And so he's praying that your eyes of your heart. Now, heart is, is known as like the essence of people. You see, it's not an emotional thing. It's your essence followed with the brain, the mind. See, it's not an emotional thing. The emotions in the scripture is your bowels. But your essence, he wants you to have an enlightened essence. He wants you to know with everything that you are, what your riches are, what you have in store for you, and you've got it all already. He wants you to know this. He's saying, use your mind, and it's gonna flow out in your essence. Look what it says here in Colossians, Colossians 3, 6. Look at, look at how it goes. Let the word of, God, of Christ richly dwell within you with all wisdom, teaching, and admonishing one another with psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with thanksgiving 
in your hearts to God. You see, when you get God's word richly dwelling in you, what is the byproduct? Hey, you're sharing it with others. You're admonishing, you're, you're, you're exalting, you are there with others. That sounds like the church of Ephesus. They were loving on each other, helping each other. We always look at that word admonishing. It's helping, it's guiding with songs. That's why music's so important at a church. That's why we watch what we sing. We don't, we don't just pick any old song off of Caleb or whatever. We want to make sure it's doctrinally sound. I don't want to teach you wrong and get you in your mind. You ever notice that? You go home from work and go, I really like that song. You start singing it. It's like, I like that song. I, I like songs. I don't even know who writes them. I don't know what, the, what, the, the, you know, what the, the person that wrote it was or the group or the name of the song. I just like the song because it gets in your heart. And then what are you doing? You're giving thanks to God and you're worshiping your God. See, that's why we got to watch what we listen to. I mean, think about that. You, you listen to ACDC, next thing you know, you're thinking it all the time. I dated myself, but there you go. <laughs> you know, you, you think of these songs and you, from your youth, and they're there. And they creep in, and it's like, hey, man, that is not God-honoring. That's why you got to watch what you put in there. You see, we're meant to exalt. We're meant to praise. We're supposed to use our minds, and when we use our minds, it just flows through us. Look what it says here as it flows through us in Romans chapter 2, verse 2, or 12, verse 2. It says, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Why do we do it? Here it is. So that you may prove what the will of God is. God's plan. You're in the word. You're, you're enjoying the word, and it's impacting you, and then you are seeing God's will in your life. See, church, when the Holy Spirit works in your mind, he enriches your understanding of the truth and relates that truth to your life. See, he relates it. You can understand it better. You can grab hold of it better. This is what we need to be about. Understanding his plan, and his plan is for you to embrace your inheritance, to have that peace that surpasses all comprehension, to have that joy of the Lord as your strength, to have that wonderful, you name it, power. What do you need? You possess it. You possess it already. Ask for it. And so we can know his plan better. But not only that, look at this one. We need to seek better knowledge of God's power. See, knowledge of God's power. To know something, you know it intimately, right? You wanna know God's power on how it can change your life. You've gotta know him. You've gotta know him and his word intimately and watch how it transforms you. That's what we need to be about. See, we need his power. You can't do this on your own. I'm sorry, you might think you're really strong, but you know what? You are not gonna accomplish God things in man's power. You need God's power. As it says in verse 19 of chapter one of Ephesians, it says this, and, see his prayer keeps going, and what is the surpassing greatness of his power towards us who believe? The greatness of his power. What does that greatness look like? It goes on in that verse. It says, these are in accordance to the workings of his strength, of his might, which he brought about in Christ when he raised him up from the dead and seated him at the right hand in the heavenly places. You see that right there? The power that raised Jesus 
not only from the dead, but glorified him and sat him in glory next to the Father, that power is at your disposal. And what do we need to do? We don't need power. We don't have to go get crucified and die. Thank the Lord. I'm happy about that. But what we get is the power to overcome. Because we need that. Our world is pressuring you to do things, to succumb to the culture, to a world that is in judgment. And God says, you can't hold off this world. You need my power. Let me remind you. I'm going to go to Matthew. And it says in verse 41, chapter 26, Jesus is saying this to his disciples as he's in the Garden of Gethsemane getting ready to go give his life, well, and have his life taken on the cross for our sins. He says, keep watching and praying that you may not enter into temptation. The spirit is willing and the flesh is weak. You see, church, we, we want to do it. Oh, man, I want to follow Jesus. I so want to follow Jesus. I don't want to sin ever, 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 ever. But your flesh is weak. You turn on the internet, and the next thing you know, you're going to Pornville, right? Or the next thing you know, you're going, you turn on the internet, and all of a sudden, the internet, now you're in social media land, and you are jealous. You know, you want to gossip on people. You know, I'll show them. You do that. You know, maybe you go to work and you want to conform because everybody else, it makes it so much easier. You want to stand for Christ, but you're weak. And so we can learn from this. What do we do? Well, we pray. We go, Holy Spirit, help me. I need that strength that I already possess. Now I want more. I want peace. And God gives it to you, but you have to know it. You've got to be in the Lord's word and not just quoting scripture. You've got to know Jesus. Because you can overcome. You can overcome human weakness. You can. Man, I know we all struggle. But you can overcome human weakness. Many of us, we don't try because we like our weakness. We like to indulge ourselves. That's why last week I shared, and I'll share it again. If you like your sin, and you know you shouldn't, but you like it and you don't care, pray that God would make you miserable in it. And spouses or friends or parents, pray that your kid would be miserable in their sin, or your spouse or that loved one. Because we can overcome. The other thing what we do is this, understand is you can overcome the pressures around you. The pressures to steal from work. The pressures to, to steal time from work. The pressure not to do what is, a, what is called for us as Christians to do. You can stand firm. You can in the midst of a fallen culture. And you know what? You have the power, church. You can live in obedience to Christ. See, Christ, he doesn't expect the non-believer to be obedient because they can't. He expects the Christian because you've already been given the inheritance. You know what? A wise person follows what they should do. And so what we do is we follow in obedience and we see how God honors that by giving us more of himself. We can see that and experience that. So how are you to live? Kind of like Jonathan Edwards, old theologian, he said this. He said, resolved never to do anything which I would be afraid to do if it were the last day or last hour of my life. 
What if you lived like that? Whoa. Would you be watching that show? Would you be going to that place? See, church, we can live for Christ. We can have more Jesus. He's already in us. We don't have to be searching for it. We just go in and get to know Jesus more. That's what we want to do. And he gives us it all. He is a great God, and he holds it all. Look how he, he is described in these final verses of the chapter, verse 21. He's far above all ruler and authority and power and dominion and every name that is named, not only in this age, but also the age to come. That's Jesus who lives in you, then keeps going. And he put all things in subjugation under his feet and gave him as a head over all things to the church. That's Jesus, all things. Now look at this, which is the body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. You're already filled, church. You already have it. Your inheritance is yours. It's your problem for not using it. It's your, your problem for not, you know, enjoying it we don't go after more Jesus. We go after more me. You're just like the culture if you do that. A culture that is under divine judgment. Go for more Jesus. You know, the worship team's going to come up now. And I was uh, at Costco the other day, and I was filling up the tank in my car. Did you know the gas prices are going up again? Yeah. It's like, thanks God, right? Yay. But you go, you go there and you go and you're filling up your tank and you go, you know, just a few years ago we were pumping oil and now there's a whole different agenda to get off the oil and all that stuff. And, and we worry about fossil fuels. And you know what? Christians, so often we worry. But where we get our fuel from, where we get the energy to overcome, it's in more Jesus. And so when you go looking elsewhere, you're just depleting yourself more and more. We need more Christ. Ask him. Let's pray. Lord in heaven, you want to grant us more. You want to give us more. And God, I pray, Father in heaven, that you would be exalted, that you would, God, Give us more and let us exalt you in our lives and in this world. Let this world see you in us. Let us be strong men and women who live for you in a dying world so that people may come to you. So that this culture can be revived for you, God. Lord, we know that you can do all things. And Lord, we ask that we would be a part of that. Help us, O oh God. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's stand and worship.